Hi, Russell here. I'm on the road, so it's a, uh, a podcast rather than a video presentation this time. Um, and it's just something I've been thinking about a while. Uh, and originally it was just a hypothesis, but I think we're actually starting to see it proved in practice. And what I find is that, you know, what I was trying to say, I've been saying to people is that pro-labor policies are deeply inflationary. So as, as you give workers more money, prices of everything goes up. And the only way to defeat that is to be almost anti-capital. Uh, and that's not just raising interest rates, it's sort of actively looking to destroy returns to capital to create a, a deflationary, offsetting deflationary force. Um, and we're starting to see that actually work in practice. So, you know, while the rest of the world is dealing with very high inflation, uh, with core inflation edging up, I think we're about to, I think, nominal or headline inflation is also about to increase. What we see in China is almost CPI numbers are deflationary. You could almost consider it too low. And one of the weird things about you know, this big difference between inflation and, and deflation is that China, the US now has higher nominal growth than China because it has such high nominal rates. Now, historically speaking, normally that would uh, lead to currency weakness and that would offset the sort of higher nominal prices. We have yet to see that. So at the moment, the U.S. is growing faster. Um, so we'll leave that to the side and just sort of look at, you know, why that is. So I think most market participants, and that would include myself, would have expected a huge inflationary burst from uh, the reopening of China, so the end of COVID restrictions. Uh, and what we've seen in the rest of the world is surging demand pushes up the price of everything. Um now, weirdly, when we look at a lot of Chinese data, we do see this sort of revenge demand. So here I'm showing, this is only till April, but, you know, commercial flights to Macau uh, from China, you know, are sort of back to not quite pre-COVID levels, but certainly the highest levels in, in three or four years. Uh, and so it's like, okay, well, there should be something going on. But when you dig a little bit deeper into the data, what you find is, and this has been ongoing for a while, is China is trying to reduce its reliance on property, which I think is a good thing. So if we look at like floor space started of new houses in China, you can see they're at, at very low levels. Now I have a better chart for this somewhere because I'm on the road, I can't dig it up. Basically it shows you that after the GFC, China decided it needed to grow. So it really pushed the property button uh, aggressively, which I thought was a, a, a foolish policy to be honest with you. What they've done is taken the opportunity of the uh, COVID recovery boom to try and unwind that policy. So they've really gone out, they've bankrupted a number of property developers. And what they've done is they've said, you know what, property development is not guaranteed by the government. It's a dangerous business. And in fact, we can even run policies that will make it hard for you to develop property. And what you can see is, you know, the, the market or the, the developing market, property market has responded to that. And for me, this is where the deflationary pressures in China are coming from to offset the inflationary pressures they've seen elsewhere. And you can contrast that with, let's say, the US, where you see, you know, housing activity is, you know, outside of the pre-GFC period uh, at, at very high levels, even with interest rates going up because they haven't really come down because the, the growth, that you, the natural growth you get from rising wages will offset a lot of the interest rate increases, right, as, as we move to pro-labor policies. So if you really want to keep inflation under check and raise and raise normal income, 
you need to actually destroy capital to a degree. Um, and you can see that even more clearly, I guess, in a way, is that what I think China has been trying to do for the last few years is to remove this idea that government guarantees anyone. Uh, and you can sort of see that with uh, the Asian high, US Asia, US dollar Asia high yield bond index. This is an index I've used before. Uh, and it's mainly made up of Chinese corporates. And it's, it's performed terribly. And it's performed terribly since 2021 when China really sort of, for me, began to move to pro-labor, anti-capital policies. And it's remained bad, right? Uh, and it's been, even though actually Chinese government bond yields haven't risen. So what you've seen is a big spread widening as corporates have been abandoned by the Chinese government. And the Chinese government said, no, the corporates need to you know, generate, need to be worthwhile. We're not just going to support everything. And the contrast with the US here is quite, quite revealing. So what you can see is that, you know, in COVID, the corporate debt market uh, exploded. The, the spreads went up to 10%. And the Fed came out and said, you know, we're going to actually start buying uh, high-yield debt. We're going to buy high-yield ETFs. And so essentially government policy uh, became one of, you know, turning the corporate bond market into sort of a subset of the treasury market. And they, and they have not reversed that policy. You can see that spreads have stayed super tight even as interest rates have gone up. And that, for me, is why, in the West, anyway, we see inflation um, remaining uh, very hot because you've co-mingled uh, government and corporate debt uh, to create an environment where, you know, corporates can basically do whatever they want. Uh, and so, you know, the, the sort of the hypothesis was, you know, if you move to a pro-labor environment and want to keep real wages high, you're going to have to go out and destroy capital markets. And that's what China's done. Uh, what we've seen in the West is if they've raised wages, but corporates have then raised prices uh, as much as wages have risen, and so real wages have fallen. Uh, to actually grow real wages in a meaningful way, you're going to have to destroy, I think, capital markets, or at least the pricing power of corporates, so that real wages can rise. And I don't think that's happening yet. And what you can see is that equity investors consider China uninvestable because Chinese government doesn't lay out the red carpet for corporates and they love the U.S. But at some point, I suspect, or maybe not, maybe we never see it, maybe the U.S. never changes. But, you know, we can now see this hypothesis uh, working out in itself. And for investors, they have to decide if the U.S. can ever become uh, anti-capital. Uh, I personally don't know. Uh, politics would say yes, but then... Politics uh, in the, would say that they would have implemented some sort of gun control given the number of school shootings you've had in the States, and that hasn't happened. So maybe it never changes, and we just all have to stay long U.S. equities forever. Maybe that is the truth. Who knows? Anyway, I hope that's interesting. Stay safe. We'll talk soon. Ciao.